This is the Creative Funding Show, a podcast for authors, YouTubers, and podcasters who want to fund the work they love. Welcome back to the Creative Funding Show. I'm your host, Thomas Umstadt Jr. And today we're going to be talking about how to reduce your stress and increase your creativity. Just as a creative person, stress is often your biggest enemy and uh, busy work uh, keeps you from getting the actual creative work done, whether it's a YouTube uh, show or a podcast or a book. And to help us with this is expert on positive productivity, Kim Sutton. She's the host of the Positive Productivity Podcast. She runs a team of 10 people and she has five little ones in the house. You can say she knows a thing or two about productivity. Kim, welcome to the Creative Funding Show. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So one of the things you talk about on the Positive Productivity Podcast, which of course we'll have a link to, is building systems and processes uh, to help uh, reduce the amount of work that you have to do so that you do only what you can do. So if you're an artist, you're the only one who can create your art. You're the only one who can sing your songs. And I wanted to specifically talk about working with VAs, a virtual assistant. What is a VA? What is a virtual assistant? A virtual assistant is a remote employee. Well, I don't even want to say employee because that technically by law, that's not the proper way to say it, but a contractor, independent contractor who will handle all types of tasks from cleaning out your email to calendar management, social media posting, basically anything that you can possibly imagine, they can handle it from afar so that you don't have to. You could almost say they're a virtual manager. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So if you're a big time band, you have a manager that handles all the business side of things. Uh, but a virtual assistant is way less expensive and uh, way easier to get uh, than a, than an actual manager and with less strings attached. So g- give us an idea of some of the different tasks that virtual assistants could take off the hands of a creator. So... I have a couple and I do have a manager, Thomas, who constantly keeps me in line. And I think once we start growing, we should all have one. But my assistants are taking care of all the social media posts um, from marketing the podcast across all social media platforms, marketing the blogs, doing guest outreach for me. I even my podcast editing team actually started as a VA team that I had hired and they wanted to give podcast editing a try. And I said, sure. And they just took off with it. And it was amazing. So I, my, the person who handles my bookkeeping is one of my VAs and oh my gosh, I could go on and on and on, but basically every day now, and it took me six years in business to figure this out. I've started to, to, I've started to ask myself, do I need to be doing this myself? And what is the cost going to be of me doing this task myself or should I be delegating it to somebody else on my team? And that took so long. I'm a stubborn. Yeah, there's a um, principle in business called opportunity cost that when you choose to spend money on something or you choose to spend time on something, you're foregoing your next best alternative. So you're always asking, what's the next best thing that I could be doing? And if the next best thing is actually more valuable, you're hurting yourself. So if you could create a YouTube video that you know for sure because you have the sponsors lined up, it's going to bring in $2,000 and it's going to take you, let's say, 10 hours to do that video. You're getting paid $200 an hour. 
So why are you cleaning your own house? <laughs> hire somebody who can't make your YouTube video. Uh, hire them to clean your house. You are giving yourself more money because for the, those hours saved, you're doing your work and you're, you're creating a job for somebody who can't do what you can do. I remember doing this. There was this guy who knocked on my door and it was in the fall. It was last fall. And my, le- my yard was covered in leaves because, you know, I hadn't gotten around to it. And he was like, hey, can I... Uh, clean up your yard. And, and I, I don't know, he's $30 an hour, $35 an hour. He spent two hours cleaning it up. And that's so why I hired him. And during that time, I worked for way more than that per hour. And he had a job and I had a job and everyone was happy. <laughs> There's this idea of like, oh, I can't hire somebody to do this work for me because I could save money doing it myself. And I could have thought of it that way. It's like, oh, I, I spent you know $70 on this getting my yard cleaned when I could have done it myself and saved those $70. But no, I was actually wealthier at the end of those two hours going into my office and working than I would have if I'd have done it myself. And that is a mindset shift that I think a lot of creators uh, struggle with because they feel like they have to do everything themselves. Oh, I struggled with that. For three months last year, so 12 months ago, I thought it was a better decision for me to save the money and at edit all my podcasts myself and do all the show notes and the pot, um, the marketing images and everything. And at the end of the three months, I couldn't figure out when my bank account was empty. <laughs> and then I looked back and realized I was spending 70 hours a month doing all of that. Whereas if I had been building a client, I mean, the, there was multiple five figures of income lost because I wanted to save myself $900. Yeah. the uh, There's a term for that. It's penny wise and pound foolish. And often when we're used to scraping our pennies together, we forget about the pounds uh, or I guess the American way to say it. This gives you an idea of how old of a term it is. Uh, Penny wise and dollar foolish back when people actually used pennies to buy things. (laughs) So um, and and going back to VAs, you mentioned a lot of things VAs can do, but you're just scratching the surface, like running your Patreon when you have a dozen or two dozen patrons interacting with them and sending them the things that they have gotten as rewards can be very fun and rewarding for you as a creator, but it's also very time consuming. And as you have hundreds or thousands of patrons, it is impossible like that. There's just too much uh, communication and coordination going on and running Patreon could become your full-time job if you're not careful, unless you hired a VA, somebody who would be very happy to take that work off your hands so that you can do more art. Cause ultimately your patrons are backing you, not because they want to be interacting with you and maybe not even because they want to get the rewards. They're backing you because they want you to create more of what it is that you create. They want to listen to more of your podcast episodes. They want to watch more of your YouTube videos or read more of your books. Uh, so I just wanted to ask uh, our listeners like, okay, I believe you. I need to get a VA. So the next obvious question is where do you find a good VA? I would start with a place like Upwork, upwork.com because it goes all through Upwork, even your payment. And if the VA flakes, which you would always hope that they won't, you can leave a review. And I think it's so important to leave honest reviews. Sometimes it hurts. I mean, I always love to get feedback from my clients, even when it hurts, you know, because the only way that we're going to improve is to know what's really going on. But at least you can see what other people have experienced. So Upwork is way number one. There are groups on Facebook where you can find virtual assistants. Um, Virtual assistant jobs is one of those. There's also Chris Ducker's virtual staff finder service, which is actually like a, a, a booking agency, for lack of a better expression. Like 
or a headhunter agency for virtual assistants. They've already vetted them all. You tell them what you're looking for and they will give you three, I believe it is, to interview and then you hire one directly. And those are all from the Philippines. So if you're not ready to pay American rates yet or even Canadian rates, there are much more affordable options overseas. And I personally love that because work is getting done while I'm sleeping. That's right. And the American dollar spends really well in those other countries. The U.S. dollar is really strong right now in terms of exchange rates, which makes buying things from abroad more expensive for us. But it means it makes hiring people from abroad. Oh, sorry, it means selling things more expensive for us. It means buying things or labor from abroad cheaper. Got to get my, my economics straight or my business friends will will correct me. And I will tell you, we had a similar uh, experience to this with Upwork or one of the companies that Upwork purchased uh, back when I ran a web agency, and I still have a bunch of clients there, one of the services that we provided that distinguished ourselves is that we would update WordPress as soon as updates came out, and we would update all of the plugins. And that is a very labor-intensive job because you got to create a backup of the website, and you got to install the plugins, you got to update WordPress, and if something goes wrong, you got to fix it, and there's a procedure for how to do that. And what we did is we hired four or five different people on, I think it was guru.com, which is now Upwork, and um, he uh, and we kind of had them all auditioned for the job, uh, and the the guy who did the best job we kept, and we've had him for four years. And literally, this is something I now no longer worry about. I just have money deducted from my account every month as he's going in and updating plugins. And this entire area of stress is just gone. It's it's really nice, but. Uh, the key was hiring a bunch of people and going with the best one because a lot of folks, they try getting a VA and they have a bad experience with their, the one VA that they hire. And then they tell themselves VAs are terrible or I can't work with a virtual assistant. They won't work for me. And both of those things aren't true. You just had a bad first experience. Kind of like the first time you pet a cat, you get scratched. You're like cats are evil. All cats are evil. It's like, no, you just interacted with a bad cat. Most cats are not like that, which may have been my first experience with a cat. <laughs> <laughs> so a random cat appeared in our yard. I went to go pet it and it scratched me. And for years I was terrified of cats, uh, which, you know, and, and to this day I have an anti-cat bias. I see myself as more of a dog person, which is unfair to cats, I realize. And, and they make for great photos on, on, on YouTube. But what are some tips you have for working with VAs? Number one, you have to have a communication policy set up and it goes both ways. So if you know how you want something done, you need to communicate it. It's just like a husband-wife relationship, right? People like to say that women expect that their husbands can read their mind and know exactly what they want. Well, Thomas, you know that's not the case, unless you're magical and you do know what your wife wants. RVAs can't just predict what we want straight out of the gate. I mean, as we work together more, I'm sure that your guy who does all your plugin updates and everything, he started to learn and forecast what is needed. And that's how we can uh, grow to eventually. But from the very beginning, we have to have a communication standard and also some type of expectation for how time will be tracked. Because I've had experiences where they want to know the budget and Sometimes it just depends on what country they come from, to be totally honest. But it's not about the budget. It's about quality over quantity. So if you lay that out as well, you know, I expect to know how long this took you and I want to see it because I've actually one of the VAs who's not still around. I asked them to create 
20 tweets and they billed me 40 hours. I was like, I, and I, but I also said, if it takes you any longer than five minutes per blog article, because I just wanted them to go into a whole bunch, um, several different blog articles and pull out tweets. If it takes you any longer than five minutes per blog article, just let me know because I want to know what the expectation is here. Well, they never let me know. And then I got that bill for 40 hours. I was like, nope, that's not going to work. Right. And it does, it takes a little bit of time to find good ones, but also you're right to get them up to speed. There was in a business book I read, and I don't remember which book, uh, but uh, this concept of the five steps of delegation. So step one is competence. I do the work. Step two is demonstration. I do the work and you watch. Step three is delegation. You do the work and I watch. I watch you do it. And then step four is empowerment. You do the work. And then finally, step five is reproduction. You do the work and someone else watches. And often it's those steps two and three, you doing the work and them watching and um, them doing the work and you watching that gets skipped. A lot of people just email a paragraph of what they want and they expect the VA to know how to do it and to read their mind, just like you said. And then turns out this person from Indonesia or this person from South Carolina who's doing the work um, can't read your mind and you're unhappy and you're blaming them when it may be your fault. (laughs) Sometimes you just got a a bad egg uh, and there are bad eggs. I'm not going to say that all VAs are amazing, but uh, demonstrating the work and having them watch you do it just with a screen share can be really, really powerful. Absolutely. I mean, it's like telling my husband that I want chicken for dinner, but not telling him what type of chicken I want. We have to be a little bit more explicit here. That's right. And especially some cultures, they do what we in the West would consider to be malicious obedience, where they follow the letter of the law explicitly. But in their culture, that's what's expected. And so if you didn't don't explicitly state something, they may think that they're doing it correctly or they're honoring you by doing exactly what you said, even if what you said wasn't exactly what you meant. Uh, whereas uh, in the West, often you get pushback from your employees. Like, do you really want it that way? <laughs> and that's that's acceptable. Whereas in other cultures, sometimes that's very unacceptable. And they would never push back or question you because you're the boss. And understanding that if you're working with, with foreign VAs, there's often a cultural difference. And knowing if the culture you're working with has a concept of no. Like, is it polite in that culture to say no? So if you ask somebody, hey, do you know how to um, convert a MP3 to a WAV file? If their culture doesn't have a concept of no, if it's rude to say no, they're not going to say no, even if they don't know how to do that. So it's like that's an advantage of working with somebody from Brazil or like the West, like South America. They have a concept of no. It's not rude to say no in Brazil. It's not rude to say no in Russia. In Japan, it's incredibly rude to say no. (laughs) They'll say any word other than no. So you have to really listen for the no in all of the polite words around it. Oh, yeah. And I've actually even heard that in in the Philippines, if they make a mistake, like the some VAs will disappear because they're just afraid. But I've let my team in the Philippines know positive productivity is not about perfection. You know, if if I'm going to get upset by that, then I have bigger things to worry about. But I know that there are clients who will get upset by by things. But you have to. That's another thing about communication that you have to make clear right from the start. Is it's okay. Or if it's not okay, then at least let me know so we can address it later on. But yeah, the no is really important. And so it does help to do a little bit of research. As a general rule, the similar, more similar the culture is, the more 
they can demand in compensation <laughs> because uh, the more work you have to do to kind of bridge that cultural gap, the more of a discount you can get is another way to think of it. And right now, uh, if you hire a contractor from abroad, if you're in America, there's no taxes. But if you hire an American as an employee, there are taxes. It's a fascinating setup uh, that we have. In fact, there's not even any paperwork. You don't even have to file. So if you hire a VA uh, from another country, you don't have to file any paperwork. Although I will say Upwork handles all of that paperwork. So if there's 1099s that need to be filed or any of those things, I believe that's one of the services that they offer uh, so that you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to like hire a CPA to make sure everyone's uh, taxes are being reported to the correct authorities, which is really nice. We, I know it sounds like we're sponsored by Upwork. Upwork doesn't even have an affiliate program, so we're not we're not getting anything uh, recommending them. Uh, but that is one thing to keep in mind. Thomas, I'd love to share that I even have my my whole team creating standard operating procedures. So for every single thing, every single task that they perform on a regular basis. They have now created a standard operating procedure that is part of our master files. So when somebody comes in to take over their task, nobody in my team is planning on leaving, but they do want to grow with us and learn new skills. So it is my expectation that whoever's doing the task right now will train the next person. So the better the standard operating procedure is, the less work that they have to do to bring in the new person. That's so good. We we do the same thing. Uh, we have to have a Google Doc and each new person would be given that Google Doc and every time they get stuck, they're like, I don't know what the next step is. We go in and change the Google Doc. And the other advantage of that uh, SOP uh, approach, standard operating procedure, is that often if something's broken, like a client is unhappy or somebody's unhappy, uh, 80% of the time, 90% of the time, the problem is actually with the, the procedure where either the procedure wasn't followed correctly or the procedure was wrong. And if you go back and adjust the standard operating procedures, you can fix it in such a way where that problem never happens again. You can have different problems with your clients down the road. And this is really powerful. It's a really powerful approach. And it's not hard to do. You know, that email that you send your very first VA saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. And here are the five steps that you do that. Just copy and paste that into a Word document or a Google document. And you have the draft, initial draft of your standard operating procedure. And if each VA kind of improves upon it, after a while, you get a really powerful document. Absolutely. And you know what we've even found is like some of my clients, we use LastPass a lot in the business and we encourage every client to sign up for LastPass and they want to know how to share passwords. This is just one example. So we've recorded a video, we've created an SOP, and now we can start sharing those with the clients too, because previously I was recording a video or writing this up for each client individually. But because it's now part of our SOP, we can just share it and it takes a whole two seconds or as long as it takes to log into Google Docs. That's really good. And I want to underline that because I know when she said LastPass, some of you started having heart palpitations because you feel that using a password management system is somehow insecure. But let me tell you what is far, far more insecure than a password management system. And that is using the same password on more than one website. <laughs> I get, I, I'm just stunned that people still do this in 2018, uh, where people will have a password and they will use it in multiple places. So here's why that's a bad idea. If any one of those places are hacked, 
all of your places are hacked because your username is often your email address, which means that once somebody gets your password on Amazon, they also have your password to Gmail and they have your password to your bank and maybe you have two or three versions of your passwords. They don't get everything, but they get almost everything. It's like having one key that opens up your house and your safe deposit box and your box and your car and your mom's house. Don't do that. (laughs) Have a different password so that if you're ever hacked and everyone gets hacked, every website gets hacked. Facebook recently just got hacked. um, Then all they get is that one key that opens up that one door. That website will tell you to reset the password. You reset the password and you're safe. No harm done. No emailing ads to all of your friends advertising some sort of um, pill, <laughs> some sort of uh, generic pharmaceutical. Anytime you get an email like that from somebody, it means they've been reusing passwords on multiple places. And the advantage of a system like LastPass is that you have this encrypted vault where every password for every website is remembered. It inserts it automatically on your browser, on your phone. And um, if you want to share that password with somebody, you can share the password securely um, without it going through some insecure system. It's a wonderful, wonderful tool. It makes you way more uh, safe. And I'm, uh, it's, it makes me sad the more I see people who don't use that still. Because like back in 2006, it made sense. But it's 2018. Everyone's getting hacked. The only way to keep yourself safe is to use long, secure passwords that are unique in a system like LastPass. It always makes me happy when I get a password from somebody who is using something like LastPass. Uh, because I know the likelihood of them getting hacked is much, much less. Oh, my gosh. I can't even tell you how many times I shake my head when I have a new client comes and they're like, here are my here's my website logins right there in the email username, password right there. But the biggest when you mentioned that you can share the password through LastPass, the biggest thing there is you share the password, but the person doesn't know what the password is. So as long as they have LastPass extension installed on their browser, it just puts the dot, dot, dot in. So if you have a contractor who didn't work out, all you have to do is remove their access and they can't get in anymore and they never knew your password. So even if you are using the same password across all your different platforms, which is Thomas said you should not be, they don't know the password so they can't go log into everything else. I could preach on password security for the rest of this episode, but I want to get back because this is all really good and, and hopefully you all take this to heart and go sign up for LastPass. Or one password, I should say. I personally actually don't use LastPass. I use one password, which is a little bit harder to use and does not work well on uh, Windows computers. But it works great on Mac, and I, I prefer it personally. But what I recommend for normal people is LastPass. <laughs> um, but uh, back to VAs. Uh, Kim, what are some mistakes that you see people making when working with a VA? Not knowing the expectations up front and also assuming that they are an employee and they're going to work set hours. VAs are not employees. You you can't really dictate to them what times they're going to work because as an independent contractor, I don't believe that's legally allowed. So it's really important to have that understanding up front. What hours are you available? And when are you not available? Because I'll tell you, there have been so many relationships that have gone sour with me, with my clients, not with my team, Because I start getting text messages at 11 o'clock or one o'clock in the morning. Can you do this right now? But it, you can't expect that. I mean, unless you're in the middle of a launch or unless that's expressed up front, you really have to have that expectation of time commitment. And yeah. And then also the, the knowing of what the pay arrangements going to be. Is there a retainer up front? Are they going to 
invoice you every two weeks. Just a clear understanding about what the turnaround is for payment so that neither side is getting upset. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I will say when it comes to determining when they work, that is one of the IRS's 20 factors that they look at for determining if somebody is a independent contractor or an employee. And so this is one of the frustrating things about the question, is somebody an employee? Uh, the answer is, well, it depends. You have to look at all 20 factors together. And uh, in general, though, if you go through a service like Upwork, um, they're almost insured to be an independent contractor in the eyes of the IRS. So you can sometimes require, so let's say somebody's an independent contractor and they're a house cleaner and you want them to come, or an office cleaner, and you want them to come and clean your office after hours. You can designate, don't come, you know, noon when everyone is in the office, but you have to make sure the other factors are safe, uh, so to speak. And so uh, anyway, I don't want to get too much into this, but if you are curious, I do have a course that I did with my dad, who's a CPA on tax issues for creators. We targeted specifically for authors. I can put a link to that in uh, the show notes, but the TLDR is Working with the VA is tax deductible <laughs> as a general uh, as a general rule. The money that you spend on your VA, if you are a business, that is tax deductible funds uh, that you're spending. Um, so anyway, Kim, uh, more. What are some other mistakes that people make when working with the VA? I think that not appreciating the insight that the VA might have is a big mistake. When I started my company, I was actually a VA, and I had clients who preferred that I just keep my mouth shut and keep on going on whatever they told me to do. But I would bring up, well, it's sort of like what you were discussing earlier. You know, if we're in the same culture, we, we know how we can bring up issues. Do you really want to do that? And I think we have to be open to what our team says because we don't know it all. And often our team members can provide suggestions that will help us boost our company to the next level. But if we're closed off and we really look at ourselves as the boss and not as the client who is hiring an expert to help us, even if it, I mean, some people might argue that a VA is not an expert, but yes, they are. We really should be open to whatever the suggestions are. That's right. And they become an expert the longer they do it. So there's a good chance the reason you're a creator is because you quit your job or you're wanting to quit your job working for your boss. And there's a good chance the reason why you don't want to work for your boss anymore is because they don't value your opinion. And so do unto others as you would have them do unto you. <laughs> there's a business principle that the person closer to the problem probably has a better solution than the person with the highest paycheck. There's this belief in business that's wrong, that the hippo is right. And the hippo is the highest paid person's opinion. You know, you know, just because you're the owner, just because you're the boss, you think that you're right on the solution to the problem. But often the person who's dealing with Twitter at, on a day-to-day -day basis or dealing with whatever it is, who's really close to what the problem is or what the question is, often has incredible insights as to how to make it better. You know, the Frappuccino, which was Starbucks' breakthrough beverage that unlocked the south of the United States to them and you know in increased their revenue by massive amount of money. Was it developed by the boss or like some re research and development team at Starbucks? No, it was developed by a barista. <laughs> they listened to a random low-level barista who's like, hey, I think we can develop this new beverage that will be really popular in hot places. And by listening to that, you know, quote unquote, nobody, suddenly the company is worth billions of dollars more than it would have been otherwise. I had no idea about that. 
Yeah. So anyway, Kim, you're brilliant. I don't know if you realize you're billion dollar brilliance <laughs> when it comes to uh, listening to your contractors. My team knows that if they want to learn something else in the business, that they all they have to do is say so. And they, the expectation in my company is that learning is on their time, but implementation and acting is on my time. If they want to learn how to use lead pages, then they can go through all the tutorials that they want. But then I'll give them a test page to build. And that's on that's on mine because they are doing something that would be taking my time. And as they get better at it, then they can be doing it more and more. And I love that because by letting them know that they have future opportunity for growth, that's just huge. That's really good. And uh, one final thought kind of along that those lines. There's this concept in the military of commander's intent, which is like everyone on the battlefield knows what the ultimate objective is, like what we're actually trying to accomplish so that as things don't go according to plan, that tank that you really needed got blown up and you have to improvise. If everyone understands what the ultimate goal is, they can work together and work it out. And if they need to go learn something, they go learn something and they kind of work together and improvise. And that's that's really key. And that's a really great point. And encouraging your uh, people to grow, you know, it's a lot easier to grow a better a teammate than it is to find a better teammate. Often as bosses, we're like, oh, the grass is always greener on the other side. This new person I'm going to hire is definitely better than the person I already have. It's like, are they though? Are they really? Like, you're going to have to teach them so much that you've forgotten that you taught the person you already have that it may be more worth it to invest in your folks. And I will say, final tip on this, if you're working with millennials, millennials really want to be invested in. They want to learn. They're very hungry to learn, often more interested in learning and self, self-improvement than they are in actual like dollars and cents in my experience. And if they don't feel like they're learning, they may quit for a less paying job where they'll learn and grow. And um, so j- just something to keep in mind. Okay, so Kim, you've dropped some incredible knowledge bombs on our audience. We really appreciate you coming on the show. For people who want to find out more about you or follow you on the interwebs, where should they go? Oh, thank you for giving me that opportunity. TheKimSutton.com is my personal brand page, and you can find the Positive Productivity Podcast right there. And then my agency page for our marketing and automation services is at PositiveProductivity.net. All right. And we will have links to all of those as well as Kim's uh, social media. So if you want to follow her on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, just scroll down in your app and you can find Kim Sutton. Uh, Kim, thank you so much for joining us today on the Creative Funding Show. Thank you so much for having me, Thomas. And if you'd like to learn more or subscribe to the Creative Funding Show, go to creativefunding.show. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr. Thank you for listening.